This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. And today we have Andrew Campbell. Andrew is an Austin native here and syndicates apartment buildings in Austin and San Antonio. Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm doing good, Jordan. How are you? Doing well. So, Andrew, real quick, who are you and how are you involved with real estate investing here currently? Um, I'm Andrew Campbell, a founder of Wildhorn Capital. We are based in Austin. I was born and raised in Austin. Um, we got about 2,800 units uh, between Austin and San Antonio, uh, but we're very focused on Central Texas and, and Austin specifically as a as our our market and kind of our home home base. Uh, so we're out, you know, kind of looking for value add larger apartment buildings. Uh, partner with investors to buy those, manage them, you know, operate them here locally and. Uh, so I'm, I'm out in Austin on a daily basis, uh, looking looking for opportunities. Absolutely. So you know, you said you're you're from Austin, and you also invest in San Antonio. But you know, you, as a a large multifamily investor like you are, you really could invest anywhere in the country. So why stay in Austin with the prices we have here right now? Because. Uh, I think a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I'm I'm from here, you know, so it's home, and that always has some advantage. And and mm-hmm. I, I joke with people that I feel like in a lot of ways I was born on third base, you know, by by being born here. When I was growing up in '80s, it was a, it was I turned 40 this year, last year. Um, I was you know it was a sleepy college town, you know, state capital. It's, it wasn't a whole lot going on. It's just exploded. Um, so I think it's <laughs> it's home, but. Being from here has advantages. Real estate is such a, a relationship game, and it's such a local game that, you know, I, I think being focused here and being having a, a central point of focus at, at home is is why we're here. And I think also it's you know as evidenced by the explosion in in you know jobs and population. Like a lot of people feel like it's the best place to be. It's the best place to be investing. You talk about you know the capital that's coming in. Like people are are crawling over themselves to get into the market here. Uh, you know, we're just lucky to already be here and be from here. So it's, it makes, it doesn't make sense to me to, to build out a national platform and try to go compete in, you know, Atlanta and Phoenix and all these other big hot markets where, when, you know, this is the place to be and I'm from here and we have a lot of built-in local advantages because of that. So that's, that's kind of why we're here. Awesome. Yeah. So you have a strategic advantage here and it really, it makes sense to stay here and not try to go play somewhere else. So, you know, Andrew, I think I know your background pretty well, but what attracted you to real estate investing and why did you choose to start? Yeah. Um, so I initially got into real estate investing probably 2008, 2009. Uh, I was looking to create passive cash flow. Uh, I moved back to Austin. I was living out of state. Uh, my dad had some health issues and I, I flew home, kind of take care of him. And I was 27 at the time, um, realized that, hey, I, I, passive cash flow is kind of the key to giving me flexibility in my schedule and my time, which is what I was looking for. Um, so, you know, dumb luck, right place, right time. Again, the, the story of Austin, really, I, I bought duplexes, fourplexes, you know, built up a portfolio, managed those myself, learned the business and understood and saw the power of the wealth creation. And, and I was I was able to accomplish 
what I kind of wanted to do as far as, you know, giving me some flexibility of my time, but they more than anything fell in love with the business uh, and, and just the, the process of putting a deal together and doing the renovations and seeing the, the, the value creation happen and creating the relationships with everybody along the process, you know, the brokers, uh, your residents, even, you know, agents. So, um, five or six years ago, kind of said, Hey, this is a lot of fun, but I want to put all my energy into looking at the larger deals where, you know, my own portfolio had recognized a lot of efficiencies, you know, that, that you see as you start looking at, at bigger deals and they operate a little bit better. Uh, you know, you can withstand vacancy more, but also recognize I was going to need to kind of start raising money and partner with outside folks at that point. And so kind of pivoted then into syndication, but really it came out of, just a, a desire to create passive cash flow for myself. Uh, now we kind of do that on a larger basis and, and partner with investors. But uh, from the beginning, it's been you know just understanding that local market and staying focused on you know what we know, you know block by block in a city that we grew up in. Awesome. And how many of those smaller units did you get up to? So I know you had quite a few before you started to transition. Yeah, we had about 75, um, you know, that was kind of 75 doors. So it was, you know, 15, 20 properties kind of fluctuated, you know, we we're doing duplexes, fourplexes, had a couple smaller, like eight unit deal. Um, but it was you know, very much a hands-on dropping off air filters on a monthly basis, managing, you know, turnover, showing units. Um, so really kind of cut my teeth and learned what people value. How do you screen tenants appropriately, all of that stuff. And then, um, you just kind of got to the point. I just, you can't scale it that way. And mm -hmm. I can't be dropping off air filters and they're all spread out over town. Uh, so that's kind of when we made the, the pivot to the larger deals. So did you manage these yourself? I did uh, initially, you know, kind of had a mentor and a friend who was an agent that kind of helped me with the leasing and, you know, just kind of showed me the ropes, introduced me to a right, the right sort of contractors and stuff, but I was managing myself you know, set up a Google phone number, was getting phone text messages, you know, picking up rent checks, chasing people for rent, et cetera. <laughs> uh, you know, it's literally dropping off air filters kind of once a month, I, I would go by and that kind of what I, I would do to make sure I could get into the units and check and talk to people and, you know, brush up on my Spanish. Uh, so it was, it was kind of a, you know, C-class uh, housing stuff we were buying, but uh, very much, very much started uh, doing everything. So you, you would drop off the air filters to be able to get access and just kind of take a look around. Yep. Yep. Go and talk to them, check on things. You know, it's amazing that that's kind of when it's, Oh, my, my faucet's leaking or, you know, and just being an attentive landlord. I think I learned a lot about, Hey, if, if you, if you pour in, into your residence and, and you, they can tell your care and you fix little things, mm -hmm. you know, you go deliver a rent increase and with a smile on your face and, and they get it. They know you're in, you're, you're investing in the property as well. And, um, but yeah, that, that was kind of my strategy is once a month, go drop off air filters, certainly in the summer and the winter, maybe it's every other month, but make it, that was, that was my excuse to go talk to them and get inside the units. Absolutely. That's, that's really smart. I actually had never heard of that strategy. So do you have any of these small units Also, by the anymore? way, I mean, you, you notice in, in, in Austin, it's so hot, your AC, you figure out pretty quick is your biggest expense. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't totally, I mean, it's, it's self-serving. I want a clean air filter because it's less hard on my AC unit. Uh, and you know, replacing those on a duplex will will kill a year's for where the cash flow real quick. So oh, yeah. it, it was it kind of two birds in one stone. Smart. So uh, do you own any of these units anymore? I do not. Um, so as we kind of transitioned to larger deals, I started selling those off and you know, kind of small little packages, kind of recognizing some of the the power of the Austin market and 
Uh, and then he did free up some liquidity and capital to to fund and you know the our investments in the in the larger deals. But it's been you know, probably three years since we've owned any of the smaller deals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, really interesting. Um, did you weren't able to do any ten thirty ones with any of these? Were you? I did not. No, kind of strategically, it was hey, we needed to create the liquidity to have to you know fund the other business, so we weren't looking to to ten thirty one. Sure. Awesome. And we've actually had one of your business partners on here, Reed. Um, how many people yeah. are in your business right now? So we've got five. Um, we've got three partners. Uh, we've got a full-time analyst and an admin that kind of, you know, investor relations uh, that, that's working on it. So five, five full-time folks. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, Andrew, you've done quite a few deals and I know a lot of our listeners here, are either looking to invest passively or looking to do a smaller deal on their own. Any advice you could tell them about a bad deal you've done, maybe the smaller ones, like something you saw, you just say, Hey, look out for this. Absolutely. Don't do that. Um, let's say with a duplex, you know, any bad deals you've had that you award. Yeah, luckily we never had a really bad deal. Um, you know, I, I, I think the lesson I always learned is in particular in the smaller you know space. And one of the reasons that we, we look to scale larger was, you know, just keeping those things full, you know, a one month of vacancy on a duplex will, will, will hurt you particularly right now where, where pricing is. I mean, these things are, in my opinion, they're, they're very difficult to cash flow. And another reason we kind of like the larger deals, but where pricing is, you know, duplexes and fourplexes, if you've got any vacancy, like screening your tenants is really, really important. Uh, making sure that it's, you know, you're doing the background checks, you're going through all the paces on, you know, who these folks are and then building that relationship. Uh, and then also, you know, your due diligence on the front end, you know, making sure that you really are digging in on it. You're not just, you know, doing it from afar. If you are out of state, you know, having boots on the ground, something you can really trust that's coming in and inspecting, you know, your roofs, your AC units, kind of your big ticket items. Uh, Cause those will, those will kill you pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you talked about screening process. What was your screening process like, if you don't mind? So we, we would run a credit check, you know, criminal background check on people. Um, we would, uh, you know, sitting there talking to them as well and kind of almost interviewing them a little bit. We kind of understand why they were moving to this area, what their story was. Uh, we had a two and a half X income requirement at the time, you know, kind of that C-class properties mm-hmm. uh, on our stuff. Now we have a three X, uh, but I think that that's a key piece of it, you know, verifying their income and, and making sure that, Hey, this is somebody that that's, you know, going to be a good resident for you uh, that, you know, will pay their rent, has a good job and can afford what, what they're doing. And, and then, you know, follow up on it uh, as, as you kind of get into the lease. So on your, your larger multifamilies, now you're at three X. Correct. Correct. So they, yeah. That's interesting. On, right? on most of our deals, like we got a couple of deals where it's been two and a half, uh, you know, and some of the, some of the San Antonio, but you know, having a good, strong, you know, income screen and that you can qualify for your rent is, a, is, is key. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what class of property are you investing in now? It sounds like you started in class C, um, which a lot of people do. Where are you right now? Yeah, we, we are kind of targeting B, B plus level assets, um, you know, kind of one one rung up where I think it's a good professional tenant base, you know, average income of say $60,000 or so where you get, you know, a lot of first responders, teachers, nurses, um, you know, I, I kind of say folks that one click up from say workforce housing, you know, and you're more than just like one missed pay period from making it out, uh, you know, missing a rent payment. Um, so. Yeah. 
we're really focused on good locations, you know, and I think I, today sort of five to seven year type holds may, you know, maybe even a little bit longer depending on the location. And so it's, it's, you know, we're not looking to turn a, a, a dog into a, 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 you know, a frog into a princess, a C class into a B class. I think it's buying a, buying a good quality deal with a good tenant base and then, you know, let Austin continue to do what it's doing, which is growing like crazy. And, you know, it's yeah. going to have some cash flow now. You're going to look up and, and, you know, while things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Austin, I think just across the board is is more like that. So yeah, you might get some cash flow now, but the long-term growth is what you're really looking for. Um, speaking of long-term growth, you know, we talked a little bit before this started about, you know, what what's going on with the growth here. Um, what are the most interesting things you see happening in Austin as far as growth goes? I know everybody knows about Tesla. Everybody knows about Oracle. Anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Hey, you know, look, look at this. It's it's going to be coming here soon. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much, you know, the headlines and it's, it's sort of a running joke. It seems like once a week there's a big job announcement, you know, and, yeah. and I think it's it. But it is the stuff that happens sort of underneath the headlines where I think the foundation of, of the growth is made. I mean, you know, Samsung, I don't think you mentioned that, you know, that that's. Mm that's something again to our relationships, we work really hard to kind of be ahead of the curve and try to get some informational advantages. So we kind of, you know, going back to maybe last summer had, had heard that, Hey, they were looking to buy some adjacent oh, property, okay. their current facility. And um, you know, it looks like that, that could result in sort of a $17 billion facility is what they're talking about. So that, I think that's massive. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that we, we were talking to somebody involved with, uh, land, a land broker, you know, Tesla has been continuing to buy up land quietly, you know, where they are. And I think the headlines there were, oh, it's a 5,000 employee cyber factory. It's like, well, it actually may be more like 25,000 employees. Oh, you know, wow. That's, that's not, that's not in the headlines. Um, you know, so, so trying to track those things, uh, obviously every major announcement like that, you get the initial, like there's the sizzle of an Oracle relocating or, or a Tesla factory, mm -hmm. but there's also all of the, all of the jobs and companies that are going to move here to support that are, are huge. You know, I, I think one that doesn't get enough talked about enough credit that will have a lot of those, those sort of offshoots is the army uh, futures to futures to command mm -hmm. that will, you know, that, that itself is not a huge employment driver, but the companies that will come to town, the talent that will bring to town to get those government contracts to be, you know, proximate to where they are here based in Austin has a big, big impact on, on the, you know, our future prospects. I also think that, you know, the, our, our emerging kind of biosciences and, and medical field with the medical school uh, it's got big, big prospects for, for, you know, attracting and continuing to attract talent. So it's, I think that the headline from last year, you know, in the middle of, of a global pandemic, Austin had a record year for a number of job announcements, uh, you know, going back to 2003, just kind of speaks to the strength of, you know, what's happening and, and, and why there's, you know, so many people moving here. And, and I think in a lot of ways, COVID has been an accelerant to the growth, you know, as yeah. people are having oh, the yeah. option to flee the coast and California, New York, and, you know, sort of stub their toes and, and are creating reasons for people to leave. You know, we're, we're picking up more people were, I mean, you probably see this more than I do on a daily basis in the residential space. Like what's our inventory at less than a month of inventory. 0.6 months right now. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, house around the corner from us had 40 offers on it yeah. and was, I think 350,000 above asking price. It's oh wow, insane. You know, so that's, 
it's happening up and down the sort of value chain from, you know, a thousand dollar a month, you know, one bedroom apartment up to, you know, four and five, there was an article in the ABJ about the, the, the lake properties, you know, and $20 million lake properties that people are buying. And then every, everybody that owns on the lake's gotten a letter, at least one about, Hey, I'm, I'd love, like to buy your house. So it's, it, it's happening, you know, the job creators come and then the jobs follow. And so it's, uh, it, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. You know, it's, it's, no. it's crazy. So, you know, I know I read the Austin Business Journal every morning. I keep track of stuff like that. Anywhere else you'd tell our listeners to keep track of this info about what's going on in Austin? You know, I, I think that's definitely the best place. And uh, I think they do probably the best job of, of coverage. Um, you know, the, the other place that we get our news is just, you know, conversations. I think being clued into the to the local market. You know, we stay pretty active in in the, you know, talking with the chamber, being on you know, Cooper Cooper's on the uh, real estate council of Austin, you know, just what's happening. Who's, who, who's working on what sites, what are the corporate relocations that are in play? What are the big land tracks that are, that are out there and who's, who's sort of looking at it. Um, which again, I think you get when you're local and it goes back to why we aren't straying from our own backyard. You know, we wouldn't even Dallas or Houston, if we show up there, we're not going to get that same level of, of insight, you know, where we really try to create, some informational advantages that that will will help us in our in our business hey guys this is jordan moorhead here and i wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me if you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about austin real estate investing and i'd be able to help more people thanks guys yeah absolutely i think that's a, a good point that you know you have a lot of power by being local Maybe if you are local to Austin, you know, look in the area, get creative. But I think if you you probably notice the same thing because you run around and you know the conference circuit when we're allowed to go out of our houses. But everybody in Texas seems to stay in Texas, and everybody that's not in Texas seems to want to find somewhere else that works better. But you know, I've I've noticed that over the years where people in Texas are saying, hey going to invest in my local area or maybe within an hour or two of my local area, but yeah, I'm not, not going to Memphis, Tennessee to look at a project. For sure. And I, I, I think some of that is just the inherent benefits of, of real estate you know, people like to see it and, and feel it. I was on a, on a call this morning with an investor. He said that exact calm. He's like, I don't even, I don't know why, cause I don't think I've ever driven past any of, you know, the deals but, or, or I don't go check on them often, but there's some, comfort in knowing it's close by. Uh, I also think people, you know, you recognize it's in, you're in a good market. Same reason we're here. You know, you live in Texas, you know, Dallas is growing, Houston, all the big cities, the Texas triangle is growing. And mm -hmm. there's not really a need to go outside the state, but there's also just, you know, Texans are loyal and sort of weird. And we've got our own, you know, it's the whole like, Hey, we, we could be our own country. We've got our own power grid and we're, you know, we're, we're unique and we're loyal and we're Texans. And I think there's, there's, there's something to that. Right. I and mean, there's a reason there's so many slogans and, and, and mantras around that. It's, it, it's, it's a different deal and we like to support each other. And, you know, why, why send the money out of state if it works just as good here? Look at what, I mean, Whataburger is a good example, right? Whataburger, Bucky's, there's the list goes on forever. Yeah. So, you know, Andrew, I, I know what you do and I know all about the types of things you do, but I'm not sure that everybody listening to this call does. And that's been something I've tried to help educate people on a lot more now is, you know, how can they get involved in investments like apartment syndication? Somebody might have money and might say, hey, I want to invest in real estate. 
but I don't have the time or the energy to go out and find the deals. You know, what is it that you do and what opportunities do you provide to other people? And I know you can't advertise specific deals, but just more about what it is you do. Yeah. I mean, I think we are trying to kind of, you know, fill that, that gap, everything you just described, you know, if, if you're, if you want to be a real estate investor and you don't have the time or energy, or you're afraid to buy your own deal, or you just say, Hey, the numbers don't work for me to go buy this duplex and put, you know, $200,000 down that it would require to buy it. You know, we are offering larger deals, you know, where we pool investors together to go buy a, you know, 300 unit apartment complex and we're paying, you know, $40 million for it, let's say. Um, so it's, it's the exact same business model on a larger scale. Yeah, you know, there's certainly some efficiencies which we've touched on that are created in the larger units. Um, but you know, we're we we are the kind of the day-to-day operator out there, you know, leveraging these relationships and looking for for opportunities. And then we present those to our investor base and, and people that you know we've talked with that that have said, Hey, I'd, I'm interested in learning more about that. Uh, and as we as they come up, we you know send out our our opportunities and then uh, you know close on the deal and and then we operate them. So, you know, if somebody was looking to invest with somebody like you, how would you recommend they go about doing due diligence? So, of course, you just don't want to give the first person you meet and have some sort of relationship with the money if you're able to do that, or if you're an accredited investor and you can just invest in deals like this. What would you tell people when they're looking to figure out who to invest with? I think, you know, set up some phone calls and, you know, that we go to, go to our website, go to other people's websites. There's going to be the ability to input your, your contact info, Uh, you know, get to know them a little bit. I I think we always, for me personally, when I'm making an investment, I think about sort of, you know, who's the sponsor, what's the market, and then then talk about the deal, you know, whatever that business plan is. Uh, The most important piece of that in my mind is, is the, is the sponsor. You know, like the market's going to do what the market does, you know, the deal, the business plan, you know, a pro forma is as good as dead the day you close on a property, right? I mean, nobody predicted COVID, but how's the, how's that operator going to respond and how do they, you know, who are they at their core and, and, and do you lot, do you jive with them? I mean, I always, life's too short to work with people you don't like, you know, I mean, there's, there's been people that we sort of take off of our list and say, that's just not, you know, not our type of person. And I think as an investor doing your homework that, identify the markets you want to be in and the ones you like. And it's Austin. Great. If it's Atlanta, great. There's, there's plenty of folks doing deals in Atlanta or wherever it is, wherever your home market is. Uh, but then, you know, spend some time with them, talk to them, get references, you know, talk to, does their business plan match with them? Do you like the way they present themselves or y'all have similar personalities? Do you think they're trustworthy and honorable and then get references? Uh, you know, the, the nice thing is as, as a passive investor, there's obviously no, gun to your head about you have to go spend that money in your, in your account or in your 401k or whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a, it doesn't ever need to be a rushed thing. You know, spend the time to get to know people, watch a few deals if you want, you know, track along and, and see if they, are these over a period of six, 12, 24 months, you know, have you heard back from them? Are they, you know, communicating regularly with you? Do you, you get a sense for who they are? Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's important to note too that yeah, you want to invest with somebody you like. Um, you want to invest in a deal you like in a market you like, but also to understand what a passive investor is and does is the biggest piece of that is that front end due diligence. So you know you got to understand this person, understand the deal, understand the market. Then you really don't have to do a whole lot. You know you're out there doing all that work for them, so they don't have yep. to do anything and. 
I think a lot of people get the idea that real estate investing is passive income. And I like that you talked about in the beginning, you were delivering air filters to make sure that your assets were taken care of well. And you really have to do that if you're active. You need to stay on top of things, even if you have a property manager. You know, you'd be surprised. I've gone by small apartment buildings that I own and the grass is up to my shoulders and nothing's taken yeah. care of. And I'm like, hey, I'm paying somebody 10% a month to take care of this thing, 10% of the yeah. gross income a month. So if you're going to be active, you got to be active. So if you're out of state, you got to figure out a way to do that. If you're in California and you're investing in Austin, you need to have somebody that's going by and checking on this place fairly often, maybe not monthly, but maybe at least once a quarter, you know, somebody's got to put their eyes on it. If they're passive, they just have to make sure that you're the right person to do a deal with and just give you the money. So it's, you got to figure out what you want to do. Um, there's not a wrong way to invest in real estate. Everybody can do it, but there's so many ways to do it. And, you know, with, with people doing what you do, there's just so many other options out there. Yeah, I, I that's very well said. Um, you know, and I think you got to find, make sure you, you you get along with those people that they kind of match what what your personality is. I mean, I I, I know plenty of folks that do what we do. You know, in distant markets, mm-hmm. and I don't. There's no. There's that doesn't mean it's wrong because we don't do that. I, I think our strategy is to stay local, uh, and I always am kind of in awe of the folks that are able to do it remotely because it it is difficult. I mean, we. I try to be on our get on our assets, you know, a couple times a month, and and you know, it's comforting to know that everything we own, I I could be there within ninety minutes if I had to. You know, very rarely would something come up. And one of the things we like about the larger deals, you know, to your point about knee high grass or shoulder high grass, like you get a better quality manager and management company on the larger deals, and you can support now, you know, on site teams where you've got three, four, five, eight full time people whose job is solely to work on that property. So you've got to, you know, you're, they're overseeing that and then you're managing them, you know, Hey, how are we doing? How are we tracking on our business plan? What's leasing life? What adjustments do we need to make? But you get a lot more attention and eyeballs because they're showing up to that property every day versus that offsite. You know, I think that kind of, you know, four, fourplex to 50 unit space is really difficult to find a good management company. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and it's, it's not to say they're doing a bad job, but being off site is, is tough. You know, it's, it's yeah. out of sight, out of mind. Right. So reason we don't go out of state is out of sight, out of mind, like all this stuff's in our backyard. And, and that's why we like the bigger properties as well, because we've got a dedicated team that's, that's there every day. Yeah. And I like the point you made there. It's not that they're doing a bad job. It's just that they're only responding to things when they're, we're pinging at them. So if you have a, property manager managing a single family, you know, yeah, they're getting 10% of that rent, which seems like a lot to you, but to them, if the rent's 1500 bucks, they're making $150 a month to answer the phone, take care of any maintenance calls. They're just not making a lot of money. They're not going to run over there every month and check on the thing. So I think it's, it's important to note that, you know, and that there are opportunities if you want to get around that. Um, So, Andrew, what's your best advice for people looking to invest here in Austin? So maybe they're looking to do a small deal or or maybe they're looking to invest with somebody like you. What would you tell them to do? And I know those are probably two different pieces of advice there. No, I I think it's I think it'd be similar. You know, it's make sure you're you're buying right. You know, and to me, I think that means the right location. You know, you're focusing on what's a growth area, you know, what meets your needs as well. I think people always say what's 
what's your strategy? You know, and it's something I always you know, implore people to think about. Are you a person that wants, you know, like in our deals, we offer two classes of equity. You know, some people want cash flow and less upside. Some people mm-hmm. want, you know, more upside, don't care about the cash flow. They're, you know, different stages of life or what have you. Yeah, think about what what you're looking for and kind of where you want to be. You know, Austin as as a whole, it's growing like crazy. Uh, you know, do you are you playing for more appreciation? You want to, you know, buy something that's in a super fat, you know, the east side that's super hot where it's gonna be really, really difficult to cash flow. Do you want to, you know, look maybe in the more suburban area, you know, even up to like Georgetown down to San Marcos? I mean, I think all of that is in play when I think about Austin. You know, we we think about Austin and San Antonio as kind of one market and becoming more and more like one market with, you know, different yeah. submarkets attached. So it's, it's really making sure you're in a good area that, that there's going to be continued growth. You know, if you look at any study for the next two years, 10 years, 20 years, you know, they, by, by 2040, I think they say that the Texas triangle of sort of Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio with Austin's right in the middle of that, all that's supposed to double in, in population. So there's, there's going to be continued growth. Are you in an area that will, will, will support that, you know, with, within, the submarket, you know, that, that you're focused on. Absolutely. You know, make some great points there. Um, do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people here, Andrew? Um, biz favorite, uh, you know, I, I usually over Christmas break, I go back and kind of thinking, read, thinking, grow rich. I think it's just <laughs> kind of a staple. Like it's, it's just so many good, it's such a classic, but like really kind of spurred a lot of the, the modern day, you know, Tony Robbins sort of mindset pieces. Um, other than that, you know, I try to read a lot of biographies of just successful people, whether it's athletes or business folks or whoever it might be, just, I think there's always tips in those. And you can you always, I always find a consistent theme that, you know, there's no overnight success stories and there's no luck. Like every, you know, the stories you read of people, whether it's an athlete or, or a business person is like, these people work incredibly hard and, and you, they created their own luck along the way and they might have some good fortune, but mm-hmm. you know, they put themselves in the right position uh, at the right time. And so, yeah, I, I recently read, um, Oh, it, is it Steven Schwartzman, the black, black rock. I get Blackstone and black rock yeah. and splintered, which, which one he was, but yeah. I, that was a good, that was an awesome. I loved reading it and uh, you know, good, good nuggets in there. And just, you know, those same reminders that you, you kind of see in every, in every biography I tend to read. Yeah. I'm actually Andrew Carnegie's is what I'm on right now. I'm really enjoying that so far. Nice. I'll have to add that to my list. I haven't read about him. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting about the thinking grow rich. A lot of successful people that I talk to read that almost yearly or, you know, they make sure to listen to that. So I think that's something to pay attention to guys. You know, you hear all these successful people talking about read, think and grow rich. If you haven't read that, get out there and read it right now. So Andrew, um, people are looking to invest with you or just learn more about what you do. Um, could you talk a little bit about how they can get a hold of you and, and how they can invest with you? I know there's, it's pretty strict on how you can invest in projects like this. So maybe talk about that just real quick. And I know you're not an attorney, you don't know all this front and back, but you know sure. just the basics and can tell people, well, we, hey. So we work we work with accredited investors. Um, yeah. You know, so if, if you're an accredited investor, even if you're not, I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody. I mean, I mm-hmm. think it's, I love helping people talk to people, but we work with accredited investors. Uh, you know, it starts with a phone call, getting to know us, like we've talked about us, getting to know you a little bit. Um, 
if you want to start that process, you can reach out to me and email me uh, directly. My email's andrew at wildhorncap.com and, or you can go to our website uh, and enter your info and it'll also come to my inbox. Uh, <laughs> the website's wildhorncap.com. Um, you know, I think kind of, that kind of goes back to who we are as a kind of boutique firm and, you know, you're, you're dealing with kind of the founders on a day-to-day -day basis and we're, you know, the guys communicating and chasing the deals and putting it all together. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, relationships are super important to us and we enjoy talking to people and kind of educating them on whether it's, you know, guiding them through buying their first duplex or want to talk about passively investing, you know, in a, in one of our deals, we're happy to happy to help and be a resource, uh, and, you know, continue to spread the gospel of Austin. Cause it's, uh, it, it, it's a fascinating story. Awesome. And, you know, if anybody that doesn't know what accredited is, just a quick Google search, just look up accredited investor and you'll learn real quick that, you know, you either make over $200,000 a year or you have a net worth of over a million dollars a year, not including your house, or as a married couple, it's over $300,000 a year. But look that stuff up. Um, the person you're investing with doesn't know that stuff. You probably don't want to invest with them. But so you mentioned real quick, Andrew, something that, that I hadn't heard a ton of, but I, I've been seeing more recently about the different shares. So you have one that people want more growth, people that want more cash flow. I think that's really cool that people can choose what they want when they're investing with somebody like you. Could you explain the differences there? Yeah. Um, you know, going back the last couple of years, I think we've, because we spend a lot of time talking to our investors, you kind of realize there's two different mindsets of folks, you know, kind of as you get into real estate investing, one was, Hey, I want, you know, passive cash flow. What I get into this business for the mailbox money. Um, mm -hmm. and it's important to me to get that, you know, immediately. I, I want, I want that, that income stream might be retired or, you know, let live on the beach, whatever it is. And there's another group that wants the appreciation, you know, and they're, they're banking on that, the continued growth and, you know, you buy a fixed asset, hard asset, and it, and it goes up in value and they're playing for the kind of the equity multiple or the IRR and trying to solve, you know, for both of those gets difficult. You kind of, well, I can give you some cash flow and some upside and trying to create that. So in having those conversations, I started toying around the idea and, and talk, you know, it's kind of more of an institutional uh, thing that where, where we saw this first an institutional technique where you just created two different classes of equity. So we've got a class A who kind of sits, you know, right behind the debt um, that's geared for folks that want that cash flow. So they're mm -hmm. going to get a, a nine or 10% re preferred return that's going to be paid current. So, you know, use whole numbers. If you invest $100,000, you're going to get 10%, 10 grand every year, you know, paid out quarterly. The trade off, you're, you're paid first. You do not participate in the upside. But if you're interested in cash flow, that's immediate yield. 10% is, you know, pretty strong, certainly better than you to get in a bond. You're also still an equity investor. So you're still getting all the tax benefits uh, of owning real estate, the depreciation, the K1s. Um, you know, all of those things, the class B would sit behind the class a, um, they're getting a preferred return of, you know, six or 7%. Some of that's accruing. And, and in the first couple of years, maybe the majority of that's accruing. So in that same hundred thousand dollars, you might get, you know, two, three, $4,000 of cash flow. However, you do participate in the upside, you know, when we sell. Um, so after that, that class a person gets the 10%, they're out, the class B is going to share in the, and get the majority of the upside. Uh, so if that's designed for that person who's less interested and doesn't need that sort of mailbox money and cash flow, okay, hey, let me defer that 
it's going to accrue and there's that preferred return piece. But when we sell it, you know, I'm going to go get a, a, a higher multiple, you know, and so I can get a, a, instead of everybody getting a sort of called a one seven five. Now the class B's can get a two because the class A's don't participate in that. And so it kind of allows you to pick and choose. And we've got a lot of investors that, that blend between the two and want to do some of both. Uh, but it's been, it's been good. I think the response has been really, really strong. And I've seen quite a few other groups kind of, you know, borrow it and take it and run what we introduce it, which is, which is cool to see too, you know, kind of letting that passive investor really pick, you know, kind of what flavor is right for them. Yeah. People love choices. I think when, whenever you give them two choices, it's always a better outcome for their happiness. So Andrew, <laughs> um, you know, your emails, Andrew at wildhorncap.com. And we will absolutely put this in the show notes. What is the full website address here? Uh, it's just www.wildhorncap.com. Okay. All right, guys. Um, Andrew, last question here, probably the most important question you're going to answer. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? <laughs> um, it, based on where my wife and I go most often, it, I'd say Loro. Um, and that's probably been, it's a really, it's a strong option for COVID because they got such great outdoor seating, nice. but it's, uh, have you been? I have not. That's actually been mentioned on this show before. So I got to check it out. You've got to go. I mean, it's probably our two best restaurant tours. It's, it's, it's Aaron Franklin and Tyson from, from Uchi. So it's kind oh. of a blend. It's, it's an Asian smokehouse. You go get the barbecue meat experience with sort of an Asian flavor. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's, it's good location on South Lamar. Um, highly recommend it. I will have to check that out. That will be our next dinner outing here. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Andrew. Again, if you guys want to reach out to Andrew, go to wildhorncap.com or it's Andrew at wildhorncap.com. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely.